to journal down my prayers and I just talk to God like I'm talking to a friend and journaling helps me stay on track. I have a preschooler and just finding the time to do it. Typically, my prayers, if I get up before her in the morning, are like, thank you, Lord, for this time that I have alone. And then I'm praying, Lord, please help her stay asleep so I can spend some time with you. Most of my prayer time is spent right here in my car. I'll pray for about maybe 10 to 15 minutes of my drive to work. So I'd say it's more like an open communication with uh, me and God. Sometimes I start off with, hey, God. Sometimes I start off, good morning, God. There's one big prayer in my life right now that I can think of that's been unanswered for a while. And sometimes it's really discouraging. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, maybe I haven't prayed right. Uh, maybe I haven't said the right prayer. Maybe my heart isn't right in the way that I'm praying. We have to understand that our prayers have to, to coincide with what the will of God is. For me, it was a little bit difficult to understand that, that somebody would always be there for me and want to hear me talk. And it's just it's just so awesome to realize that I have a friend, right? Not just a, a savior, but also a friend. I have no reason to walk through this life with hurt or burdens on my shoulders because I know that God's got me. God wants to keep hearing from us. He wants us to keep talking to him and he wants us to keep seeking. He is excited to hear about your day, to hear about what's happening in your life. Even Jesus got alone with God and prayed to God. And if he needed that time alone, how much more do we? I can't see them yet, though, but I think you're coming up. Good morning to you. It's good to see you. It's good to be back. It's good to be uh, back in back home. We were off about a week ago just spending everything that we possibly have in our accounts, and <laughs> it ran out, so we came home. And uh, But I greet you once again in the mighty, matchless, awesome name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He's the written word of God, the one who gave himself that each of us could live, that each of us might be re reunited with our, our Heavenly Father. And we praise him today. We thank him today. We exalt him today, and we magnify him this day. He alone deserves all our praise, all the glory that we can muster to, to make his name the name that above, is above all names, the name that one day that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. That's for, for the Lord, you betcha. Well, since I last saw you, not only have I drained all my accounts, I have gained a son-in-law. Uh, I kind of want to go back to the Old Testament days because, you know, they usually brought the father all the cattle and gave him all what he needed so you'd have the, well, we, we've reversed that. But, uh, but, no, it was great. I mean, just a week ago, I only had uh, uh, two daughters and one son, and now I have two daughters and two sons. It's just a really good day at the Brooks home. Amen. We're thankful. Oh, you don't know how thankful we are. Some of you are thinking we're glad to get rid of our daughter, but others of you know that we're glad to have Kevin in our family. Amen. We're thankful for both of those things. No, no, not really. 
You know, usually in weddings, there's often that moment, uh, that, that moment when something is about to go not exactly as planned. There, there's always those kinds of moments. And, and while wedding parties, they always do their best to try and make sure everything is perfectly planned. They, they've gotten ready. They've planned it out. They've practiced. They've rehearsed. There's just usually a point at which something is bound to not go the way that it was rehearsed. That's always a part of a wedding, right? Some of you got stories. You're thinking about them right now. Some of them you can't talk about, but you're still thinking about them. And a week ago Saturday, as I stood in the bride's room with Rebecca and having just a few moments uh, to talk to her uh, a little bit, well, you think I'm going to cry, don't you? No, 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 no. Everybody keeps asking me that. Hey, did you cry? I think, well, why would I cry? A little bit, just a little teen bit. No, it wasn't a lot, really. <laughs> but I was standing there in that room with Rebecca, and, and we were just talking, and I was telling her how beautiful she was and how she looked and, and that everything was just going really great, and, and it was really stressless. I mean, usually they're full of stress, and it was just stressless. It was wonderful. And then she looked over, and she saw this square little Tupperware <laughs> sitting over on the table. And she, she had some, there was something in it, and, and she, she looked over, and she says, oh, uh, wait, is that, is that the guy's flowers? Why are they still in the Tupperware? That's the, the guy's boutonnieres. And, and, and she, she thought, uh, and then the way Becca is, she goes, eh, don't worry about it. And I was like, what? And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm going out there. And she goes, no, no, no. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I opened the door, and I went around the corner, and they were just getting ready to open the doors for the gals to start heading down the aisle. And I said, Wait. And my pastor that I worked with for 20 years looked over like, you're the same old idiot that I used to know. <laughs> he just looked at me like, oh. I said, they don't have their flowers. And then Becca came around the corner with burping a Tupperware burp. You know how, you know how Tupperware burps, remember that? And she opened it up and she goes, the guys need flowers. And so all of the bridesmaids ran over and grabbed a flower and started pinning the guys. And I remember... I remember telling Becca that, you know, if that's the only thing that goes wrong this weekend, other than Rob's bright idea of renting a house and bringing the whole family into the house, I, we won't do that again. That's a, look at that. You know how your best laid plans, you're thinking, this would be great. Everybody's coming in from all over. I'll rent a house, and we'll get the house. We'll just have everybody get a room, you know, instead of getting rooms for everybody. No, nah, that's not a good idea. It's just <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. We got a little kick out of it, and that's really the only thing that I that, that really didn't work out exactly as planned. But we still made it work. I told her. I said, "You wrapped all these flowers." She did all her flower arrangements, and she made all of the boutonnieres. Rebecca did. I said, "You made them. We're using them. We're using them." So. Well, there's another wedding that I remember, though. And I'll never forget the wedding. It was at the Topeka Church, and I was going, and I was, running, I was running the sound that day. And all that were involved, like usual, on a Friday night for rehearsal, they were showing up. And when the bride and the wedding parties finally got to the church, we were ready. We were already running pretty late. But when we all got there, I remember asking the wedding coordinator if the bridegroom had brought the music that was going to be used for the wedding ceremony. And the coordinator checked with the bride, and the bride relayed that she had forgotten it. She forgot to bring the, the CD 
to the, to the rehearsal with her. But she assured me that, that, that by the time the wedding started the next day, that she'd have it for me and she'd get that to me. And I expressed to her that it would really be good to have the music here for rehearsal. You see, rehearsals are important if you want to get things right. I didn't really want to wing it. I don't like winging it at weddings. But she assured me that she'd have it there the next day with the songs in order so as to not jump around the CD looking. She said they'd all be right in order. So the next day I arrived, and as I sat in the sound booth, I began to get a little nervous, feel a little worried because no, no CD had shown up. And finally, the wedding coordinator ran in at the last minute and handed me the CD. And I put the CD in the CD player, and when it was about to start, we began playing the songs according to the service order that they had given us. And I said song, I saw that it was number one. It was time for song number one, and then two, and, and then so forth, on and on, one through, I think, eight it didn't give me the names of the songs on the CD. I didn't have a list of the names of the songs, just one through eight. And on the order of service, it would say, play number one here, and play number two there, and three, and so on and so forth. I'll never forget this. The couple stood looking into each other's eyes. Couples do that when they get married. It's bliss. It's bliss that day. And they're just looking at each other. I know which ones are laughing the loudest. It was a blissful day, wasn't it, that day? And uh, I remember them whispering their loving words to one another, and it was that moment that I reached over and pushed the button that was on the list number five. I had only just received the CD, so I had no way of knowing what the song was, just that on the list, on the order of service, at that moment in the service, it, I was to play song number five. And as it began to play, I remember thinking that's an odd tune for just right here at this moment. That's really a unique tune. That, uh, there's, they're looking at each other and having a moment, and that's a really unique tune. And it turned out to be a song by Wasp. And most of us don't know who Wasp is, but it was a group called yeah, the West Coast Heavy Metal Band of which most of their songs really have no place on any sound system, not unless you're going to put explicit warning labels all over the sound system, and let alone on a church sound system, let alone during a wedding. Not appropriate, but sure enough, there we were all. There we were listening to a 90s metal song as the groom and bride stared into each other's eyes. I couldn't really tell what the words were saying. It was pretty chaotic. Although I could tell when the bride began to cry that it was time to fade that puppy down and move on <laughs> to the next song. You see, rehearsals and practices are important. Amen? They, they really are. How, how we react to the things that are around us, what we do when the pressure is on and how it will turn out for us, it all depends. It often depends on if we have made the appropriate plans for our spiritual life strategies. When, when we have practiced, when we've decided that we must rehearse to get the things right that need to be right, when we've made the important things in our lives a priority, and as we give those priorities first placed in our lives, they have the power to change and transform transform our lives in very powerful ways, but we must rehearse them. We must engage in them. We must 
practice them and do that often. There came a day in the lives of the disciples, one particular day that Jesus, when he had finished praying, that one of his disciples, having watched Jesus uh, pray, he said to him, Lord, I can just see him kind of off to the side watching Jesus and something's going on there, something that's different than what we're used to, something that we're not, we, we don't see that often. And they had, they had made their way into a, a moment that was particularly a closeness between Jesus and his heavenly Father as he prayed. And when he got done with that prayer, the disciples, he, he said, Lord, teach us, teach us to pray. I want that. Whatever it is that you got going there, I, I, we, we want to teach us how that works. We don't know what Jesus was praying. And while it was customary or famous for, for famous rabbis to compose special prayers, this disciple must have heard something really special and different, something that was he was not used to that, that really caught his attention. Maybe it was because the prayer was so different than the prayers heard in the synagogues. Yeah, this is much different than the prayers that they had gotten used to seeing and hearing in the synagogues or the prayers of the hypocrites on the street corners. You know, they just love to stand and to pray voluminous prayers to be heard and to be seen by everyone, to be noticed to be heard and to be important. That's kind of what they were used to. Perhaps the prayer he prayed was just such an intimate prayer to his heavenly Father. Maybe it, it had a closeness that they had never heard before. So, so then the comment comes, teach us. Teach us what that is. Were they looking for a formula? Were they trying to figure out the steps that it will take to be like their rabbi, to be able to speak to demons and have them leave their host, to, to be able to transform large jars of water into wine, to raise the dead? No, I, I believe the disciples saw something more, something that we all long for when we get close to our Heavenly Father. It was the kind of a special relationship that anyone would long to have the kind of intimacy that is from the father to a son, from a daddy to a daughter. It, it, it's what we often seek in many different ways in our world, only to be left empty by the things that we seek out to try to gain that, only to end up more lonely and suspicious of those that we want to be our friends. No, these disciples, they saw in Jesus when finished conversing with his father in that certain place, when he was finished, the disciples took notice and said to Jesus, I want that. That's something that is missing in my life, that kind of closeness, that kind of openness that can only be between me and my God. I want that in my life. Please, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus, with no setup, with no hesitation, with no strings attached, with no carrots out front, Jesus says, pray this way. Pray this way. We find our text in Matthew 6 part one of a three-part series. Next week, uh, there'll be a message for Father's Day by Pastor Chris, and then we'll finish the other two Ps of the three Ps of prayer. But we find it this morning in six, Matthew 6, 7 through 13. Let's turn to the text. Stand with me for the reading of the Word and open our Bibles, our electronic devices, our phones this morning. Turn to Matthew 6, 7 through 13. It just says this, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless 
repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So, so do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy, your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have, also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we're grateful for your word. Bring it to us, Lord. Pin it to our hearts, Lord. Open us, Lord, that we might understand that kind of relationship that you desire to have with us this day. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When I first came to Tehachapi, I remember thinking out loud to God. I, I, I tend to think this way. I thought, God, what are you doing here? <laughs> Uh, he lets me talk to him like that. What are you doing? What exactly are you thinking? After all this time living in Kansas, what in the world would you be doing bringing me to this place? I, I remember our last service at, at, at Topeka. Um, the, the, the people uh, of Wanamaker, they laid hands on me and, and on Lynn and on our family, and they prayed. And they, they prayed that God would use us, that, that God's will would be done in our lives. And having gotten here, as I stood on the upper parking lot looking over the church and the, the community, I thought, what is your plan, God? You see, while I thought that I might know some things after 35 years in ministry, that, that sure, I, I can make some plans. I can think about some things that we might need to do around here. And while I thought I could probably help us decide on, on some, some vision and mission and direction, core values and the like, while I might have just enough experience to, to get some of those things done, I knew that it wasn't only those things that would be why God brought us here. It wasn't the vast knowledge that I have accumulated as a pastor that would be why God sent me here and, and, and why you as a people would, would even call us to come here. So, so knowing at least that, I would pray. I'd pray to my Heavenly Father, Dear Lord, Abba, Father, what is your will for us? Who do you want us to minister to and how do you want us to be as a people? You see, for all that I thought I no, and all that I thought I might bring to this great church, I still felt quite unworthy and really not gifted enough to lead this community of faith into the next chapter of ministry. So, so I prayed as Jesus taught his disciples, Dad, Abba, Father, hallowed be your name. You are in control. You are high above all that I am. You are high above all that we are as a people of God here at Tehachapi. Hallowed be thy name. This is a, a closeness that is different than any type of relationship we have. When I don't know what's happening here or there or out there or in our world, I can get before my heavenly Father and I have a relationship with him and he comes to me and I say, hallowed be thy name. You are almighty. You are the Alpha and Omega. You are the one who I look to as my source of strength and help for everything that I need. When we have that kind of relationship with our Heavenly Father, we will be in awe that He would take notice of us. Do you ever just think about that? Sometimes we think, oh, He's just thinking about all of us, you know, together. No, He thinks about you. 
by name. That he would love us the way that he loves us and that he would communicate on such intimate levels with us, especially since we are not worthy. We're not worthy. You see, we are created. He is creator. We are made. He's the maker. And yet we can have a closeness with him that surpasses any other type of relationship that we can know of. And Jesus says, pray this way. Our Father, Dad in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the Greek actually says, let thy holy name be sanctified. Be set apart, different than anything else that we know of. Let your holy name be sanctified. This is a challenging petition. Let thy holy name be sanctified by my life today as I, bearing the name of Christ, live in a Christ-like manner. Did you get that? Let thy holy name be sanctified by my life today as I, bearing the name of Christ, live in a Christ-like manner. Your name, O Lord, is to be honored and adored This means that his ways are much higher than my ways, that his thoughts are much greater than my thoughts, that not being confined to time and space, that he sees all throughout eternity so that as I come to him and I say to him, Dad, you are so much greater. Father, you are so much greater than I. You are above all other things in my life. Everything in my life I set aside. I put down because you are greater than all those things. I submit myself to your authority and I give you access to everything that you already know about me. Sometimes we think we're hiding some things, you know. He can have all of me. Not that, Lord. That's gross. You don't want that. He already knows. Hallowed be thy name and I pray that the things that you, Abba Father, Abba Dad, the things that are of you, I choose to make first in my prayers and first in my life. Notice that there are six petitions in the Lord's Prayer that we find here. The first three are kingdom petitions, kingdom petitions, and the second three are personal needs, petition type things. We start our prayers with that close relationship with our Abba Father And we move to recognizing that things, first things are first. First things are first when we come before our Heavenly Father. I I need not rush right into what all my needs are, for He already knows my needs before I even ask. Often our norm in prayer is to start our prayers with, Oh God, oh God, help, help me, help me at work, bless my children, help my marriage, give, give me that promotion. God, heal me of my disease. I can't go on like this. Help me, help me in school. Help us with our finances. Oh, God, help. We need your help. If we start our prayers with, oh, God, we may be starting out not quite the way that he's taught us. You see, without the relationship, we will move straight to the dear God, from dear God to here's what I need. Please give me what I need. Without the proper relationship with our Heavenly Father, our prayers will be, my kingdom come, my will be done first. You see, prayer is just not a formula. It's a relationship, and our prayers should start with rightly placing ourselves under His care, His authority, knowing that our Heavenly Father already knows what it is that we need, what our needs are, and having a relationship with God that understands that regardless of my circumstances, Dad's got it all under control. If you feel like your prayers 
aren't getting anywhere today, if it seems as if you feel lethargic as you pray and sense that you are tired and bored with your prayer life, check out your relationship to your Heavenly Father. Check out how you approach your Father in Heaven. How's that relationship doing this day? How are you doing with God's priorities over your own? That's why daily worship is so important to us, although sometimes we feel like, ah, we do worship on Sunday morning. We, you know, we come in and it's great. We love it. And I'll be back to do that again next week. But daily worship is of vital importance. In worshiping the Lord, we rightly place ourselves in proper relation to our Heavenly Father. We exalt Him. We are lower and He is made higher. Psalm 95, 1 through 7 places us in a proper order as we worship, as we ascribe what is due His name, the honor, the power, and the glory. It says this, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms, for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth, the peaks of the mountains and all his are his also the sea is his for it was he who made it and he has formed the dry land and then in verse 6 it says come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker let us rightly place ourselves before him in prayer for he is our god and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand we pray Hallowed be thy name from a rightly placed relationship with our Heavenly Father. And second of the first three petitions, we proclaim, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This was prayed by Jesus and it was modeled by Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. God's will must take precedence over our own needs. It is a prayer for God to reign, to manifest his kingly sovereignty and power, to put to flight every enemy of righteousness and of his divine plan, and he alone may be king over all the world, that he alone would be that. It's a petition that is related to world evangelism. Yes, it is, for it is particularly in the salvation of souls that God's kingdom comes. That's being kind of not completely reworked, but we see it differently this year. But, but, it, but it's, it's particularly achieved in the salvation of souls that is when God's kingdom is come. And I, I pray his will can, uh, can rest assured that his will is working as we allow him to do that. I, I saw it this week. On Wednesday, I got a phone call. And the phone rang. I was about ready to go home. We didn't have church this Wednesday night. And I picked it up, and I, remember, I, I knew the name. I, I knew the person. I hadn't talked to him in over a year. I said, hey, hey, what's going on? He said, hey, uh, good to hear you. What's going on with you? And we talked for a bit, and, and then it got quiet, and I said, well, what's up? <laughs> and he told me, he said, hey, I, uh, he goes, I'm not sure how to express it. I just need to, I need to talk to somebody. I said, oh, he, he's a professional, uh, has a company, uh, and, and so I said, well, you want to get coffee at Starbucks or something? And, and he kind of hem-hawed a little bit, and, and, and I said, hey, I got coffee here at the church. I'm still here if you want to come by the church. He goes, I'd like to come by the church. I said, okay, I'll see you here. And in about 10, 15 minutes, he come pulling in, came in and sat in my office. And I said, hey, how you doing, man? Good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. And, and we talked a little bit longer, and I said, so what's up, man? He said, well, I don't really know. He goes, 
something's been bugging me lately. He says, I moved into a new house in January and I haven't been able to rest. I don't know what it is. There's sounds in the night and I just, there's, there's something missing and I don't know what it is and it's bugging me. I can't sleep. And he says, I can't work when I don't sleep and it's causing me some trouble. And that's when I went, <laughs> I didn't really, but I just listened to him. And I thought, how amazing that a year and a half ago, our paths crossed in a professional way. And, and, and I was in his phone and he was in mine. And when that moment in time came when he was feeling empty and didn't know what to do about it, he remembered that pastor guy. Fact is, I think he might be in my phone, and sure enough, and he calls me. I assured him that what we call provenient grace has been working in his life right up to this moment. That God has been working and using different situations to draw him because God loves him and God wants to have a relationship with him and God wants to fill that void that's in his heart that we try and fill with a lot of things. And he's a great guy, works hard, plays hard, does the most right things a guy could do, but I told him I was a little harsh. I said, those are all filthy rags before God. <laughs> and he was he looked at me like, what? I said, hey, don't worry about that. Uh, I said, well, all I'm saying is we can work as hard as we can work to be as good as we can be. It's not enough. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect mark. And there's only one way to fill that void. Long story short, we prayed in my office on Wednesday night to receive Christ. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God wants. He wants to reach people. You see, this is his kingdom come. His will be done that none should perish, but that all should have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is for stories like this that he calls us to enter into a relationship that starts with, hallowed be your name. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come in my heart first and then everywhere else. We're assured that if we pray in this way that all of our needs will be met. There in verse 33 of chapter 6, it tells us the outcome of putting God's kingdom and his will ahead of our own. Matthew tells us that as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that all these things will be added unto us. That the things that we need, like after we have been seeking his will, to be done, we'll find in the next three petitions our personal needs to be met. He says, give us this day our daily bread. That if we will come to our Heavenly Father in the way that's best for us and in a relationship with Him first, hallowing His name with His kingdom interest before our own, His will be done before our own. When we get that right, our God meets our every need. Our physical needs are not to come first but they are of importance, and they do have a place in due time. God has promised to supply our every need according to his riches and glory, and he wants us to bring our needs into our prayer time with him. The Greek word for, the, for, the, for daily in the Lord's Prayer has been translated necessary for existence, for today, for tomorrow, and for the future. But daily is our best understanding. So as our needs are daily, then so should our prayers be. 
As we have daily needs for our existence, so our spiritual lives have daily needs coming before our Heavenly Father. Not only our daily needs to be of prayer concern, but also our interaction with Him and with the world that's around us. Jesus directs us to pray this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is not like the forgiveness of debt that we see happening in our world today that just says, I've got $100,000 worth of student loans. Let's just write, write those off. That's not exactly where he's at right here. Forgive us our, our sins. Luke says, forgive our sins as we forgive others who are indebted to us. Not long ago, the Templeton Foundation, which had campaigned for an increase in what it calls forgiveness research, they funded a major nationwide study on people's attitudes towards forgiveness. Co-sponsored by the University of Michigan and the National Institute for Mental Health, the study found that 75% of Americans are very confident that they have been forgiven by God. 75% for all their past offenses have been forgiven by God. They're confident of that. The lead researcher expressed great surprise at such a high confidence, especially since many of these people were not uh, regular church attenders. Still, three-quarters of the people that were surveyed had few doubts about God's penchant to let bygones be bygones. The picture was less bright, however, when it came to those that were surveyed about their interpersonal relationships. Only about half of the people surveyed claimed that they were certain that they had forgiven others. Most people admitted that whereas God may be a world-class forgiver, Ordinary folks like us just seem to struggle with that. It's difficult to forgive other people with whom you are angry. It's even difficult to forgive yourself sometimes, but where forgiveness does not play, take place, the study found a link between forgiveness and better health. The more prone a person is to grant forgiveness, the less likely he or she will suffer from any stress-related illness. That's what the study found. Why would this be so important that we forgive others that as he has forgiven our sins that we in turn are to forgive others their indebtedness? We find at the end of the chapter the answer. Jesus finishes his teaching with this. He says in chapter, verse 14, For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly, your Father will not forgive your transgressions. It, it, it sounds as if to me the Templeton study and the Word of God are right in step with one another. To, to be in the right relationship with God and to be in right relationship with others, His kingdom come, we must forgive others as He has forgiven us. The way that Jesus teaches His disciples and us to pray ends with the last of the six petitions that we would, that he would not lead us into temptation, but he would deliver us from evil. It can be translated that he would not lead us into testing, not lead us into testing. There, there's a story about an overweight businessman who decided it was time to shed some excess pounds father of the bride feels the same way at times. He took his new diet seriously, even changing 
his driving route to avoid his favorite bakery. One morning, however, he showed up at work with a gigantic coffee cake. And everyone in the office started to scold him, but he smiled and remained nonetheless. This is a special coffee cake, he said. He, he, he said, I accidentally drove by the bakery this morning. And there, there in the window was a host of goodies. I felt it was no accident, so I, I prayed. Lord, if you want me to have one of those delicious coffee cakes, let there be a parking spot open right in the front. He said, and sure enough, the eighth time around the block, there it was. We all know that in life there will be temptations. And Jesus knew that there would be times of testing. But Jesus included this as part of the prayer petitions that we would need. That, that, that we, he would need to not lead us into temptation. But even greater than that, he would deliver us from the evil one. That each need, we each need this prayer answered in our lives. That, that, that we would not be tested or tried beyond what we can endure. And that our Abba Father, our Heavenly Daddy, would deliver us from that evil one. Would be watching over us and protect us from those times when the snares are out to get us. It almost goes without saying that each of us would petition our Heavenly Father with great fervor to not lead us into temptation and that he would deliver us from that evil one. fact is, we can count on it, but it should be part of our daily prayer times with God. For that kind of prayer admits our total dependence upon him. And why? The why is summed up in the doxology that we find in this prayer that follows this prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples and to us today. It says this, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You see, it's all His. It's all about Him, for Him. And all that we are and all that we have is subject to Him. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That kind of praying puts our Heavenly Father at the beginning and punctuates His will for our lives and our trust in Him right at the very end. I still pray this prayer in essence. I pray and then I do. I don't pray and wait. I don't pray and go around the blocks eight times. I pray and then I get up and I go. Pray and then get on with it. What's on the agenda for today, Dad? Where are you working today? How do you want to, me to fit into what you are doing today? Might it be a Wednesday night with a phone call? I've known some ministers that would say, I'm off the clock. How about tomorrow? We should be reminded that today is the day of salvation. Tonight's the night of salvation. This morning's the morning of salvation. And I'm finding that every opportunity, every interaction has a potential in the future. Lead me in those ways, not as temptation, but according to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In our coming days as a community of faith, we'll need to be right. We'll need to be in right and close relationship with our Abba, Dad, our Father who is in heaven. We've made some bold moves. Maybe you saw the sign this morning. Dr. Julie Keith has accepted our position as our next full-time children's pastor. 
And I'll say it this way. We're blessed to have her, and she's blessed to have us. They'll be here August 1st. We've made some really bold moves as a church for this coming year. And it didn't come lightly with our board and with our finance team. We talked long and hard about it. But we believe this is what God has for us. Along with this new building that we're doing, there's a lot going on, but God is with us. I said, Lord, bring someone every Wednesday to my phone like that. He is for us. He has the best intention in mind for his people. He has the best intentions for you today. As we close today, would you consider where your relationship with your heavenly father in your prayer life, where is that with you today? How's your prayer life? Perhaps we might want to pray and take to heart for each of us to forgive others as he has forgiven us. Well, you don't know what it's like with that person. I know, I don't. But, but he says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Dale Sheely will be starting a prayer group on Wednesday nights, the three P's of prayers, pastors, prayer partners. They're going to pray for all the pastors of this church every Wednesday. If you'd like to be a part of that, see Dale Sheely. He's going to lead that on Wednesday nights. It's a good, good thing to institute when God's doing a great work. We better hear him. We better get before him. We better wait on him, and we better put his ideas ahead of our own. Stand with me, please. Let's end our time today with this prayer. I bet you know it by heart. Say it with me. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I should have used the King James this morning.